Hey, this is Jimmy Chamberlain, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, everyone, Sonny back here with another new episode of Interview Under Fire. Jimmy Chamberlain, thank you so much for joining our podcast today in IUF. It is my honor, pun intended, just like I said last time, to have such a prominent artist such as yourself uh, being on the show. This is a big time of the year for you and the guys over at Jimmy Chamberlain Complex with the release of your new studio album, Honor, which came out September 25th, this past weekend. Now I can say that because before we tried to do this, it was the day before. On yep. Make, yeah, on Make Records, you know, um, and for my listeners who don't know, I grew up listening to Jimmy, so it it's uh, we're coming back tenfold as having him as as a guest on my show. Congratulations on all the well deserved recognition it's been getting so far. Before we get to all, all that, I'm going to ask a very important question. It's how are you? You know, it's uh, how have things been for you and the band as of late, and how has been everything been since our lives have changed since March? How's life in Illinois? Yeah, I mean, I think I told you before, like I. For me, things haven't really changed that much just because I I guess I always live in some type of quasi self-imposed quarantine anyway. So, um, um, you know, obviously for my kids, things have changed. They're in school remotely. Um, you know, my son just started high school this year, so he doesn't really feel like he's transitioned uh, just because it's, you know, video and digital only. Um, he hasn't really got to know his new classmates uh, that well. Um but yeah, I mean, things are different. Obviously, you know, we had some touring scheduled for this year that we weren't able to do. Um, the band has not been able to get really get together, uh, you know, uh, the four or five of us uh, to, to, to rock out, uh, which has been a bummer. But with that, um, you know, we always look uh, for the part of the glass that's got water in it, right? And, and, and we use the time to you know, obviously we've just released Sear and the Pumpkins, um, you know, which was a big, a big amount of work. Um, some of which happened during the quarantine. Um, uh, Billy Corgan and I just finished recording uh, 13 new songs for a, for a, for a project we, we, we had been waiting, wanting to get to. Um, and we're just starting to uncork uh, some work on uh, what will be the follow-up to Sear. So, you know, we're, we're, we're using our time wisely. Um, the complex record, there was a lot of work to do with that release, um, which, you know, there always is getting credits together, those types of things, mixing, sending songs back and forth, approvals, mastering. Um, you know, thankfully we got Nate, Nate Wood to master it again. And, you know, Nate's not only the world's greatest drummer, but also an incredible mastering engineer. Um, so yeah, just, you know, my, my life, I'm, I'm in my studio now, or I'm always at every day and, 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 and just working. So, you know, when I'm not touring, this is kind of my thing. And then, you know, my, my, my spare time, I did manage to get out to Colorado and do some, uh, do some rock climbing uh, over the summer, which was good uh, to just kind of get, find a place where we wouldn't be around people, but we could do things that were active. And we ended up doing about, I think 70 miles of uh, hiking through Rocky Mountain National Park with, uh, the ki with our kids, wow. um, which is super fun. Um, a minimal amount of complaining uh, now that they're 14 and 17. Um, and uh, let's see, what else have we done? Yeah, and just been, you know, on my motorcycle. Um, I'm, I'm getting back into auto racing, so I've been practicing a little bit of driving here and there. I mean, I, for me, you know, it's, it's obviously it's an awful thing that's going on, but I, it's kind of how I live anyway, just in this like 
<laughs> I do a lot of work on my own. <laughs> where you see me sitting now is probably where I'm sitting most of the time when I'm at home in my studio. And for my listeners who don't know, this is technically take two of my interview with Jimmy Chamberlain. We practiced this. <laughs> Obviously, we perfected it, you know, our execution, because we had another go. We just had connection problems, you know, last time. So I really appreciate Jimmy for being on here. Now, we talked about the touring life. I'm just, to- I, I want to say that I'm, I'm a real, you know, I'm a real control freak. So I insisted that we practice one time before we recorded this, right? So that's just <laughs> And you heard it here first. You know, the legend Jimmy said that himself. You know, you, talk, you touched on the touring a little bit. And uh, aside from Complex, you know, you've been involved with the maniacs that you've talked about, especially Smashy Pumpkins, Zwan, Star Children, and Sky. So I'm just going to throw those in there because I know that gives you a chuckle. But four decades of playing, man, you know, how was the touring life for you personally? Because now you're kind of just taking like an unseen step back. And does it make you have a growing appreciation of the touring life, man, because we're talking culture, fans, even the food. There's just so many things to pick apart about it, about what makes touring what it is. What was your biggest takeaway? Uh, yeah, you know, I think it's just, it's it's comforting to know that it's something that really can't be replicated anywhere else but in person, right? I mean, I think that's that's the, the nature of, you know, artistic expression is really like having a first-person account. Uh, and you know, I've obviously albums and, and recordings are, are a good uh, <clears throat> second effort, but there's no substitute for the real thing. And I've, I've noticed that a lot of the, you know, because of, because of uh, the isolation, um, rather than going to a lot of jazz shows in Chicago or, or shows that I would normally go, I've been, you know, picking up the slack by looking at YouTube and, and stuff like that. Or we watched Hamilton on Disney. Uh, my, my daughter wants to be a playwright. So, we watch a lot of, or we go, we used to go to a lot of plays, but we've been watching a lot of stuff and just seeing how, you know, a lot of stuff just doesn't come through the screen, right? It'd be still, it's still very two dimensional where when you see a show, obviously you're dealing with, you know, you're not checking your email while you're watching the show. You're not, you know, getting text messages or you're not multi, it's not part of some multitasking effort. You're being jostled around by people around you. You're smelling things, you're hearing things, you know, you're seeing lights and, and, and things that you don't see at home. So, you know, it gave me, it gave me a little bit of a different insight as to the value and the visceral nature of, of those types of performances. But for me, I mean, you know, it's really, <clears throat> as a musician, and you say like somebody who's played over 40 years, honestly, and I, I only mean this in the most humble and respectful way, some of my greatest, most of my greatest experiences as a musician have happened right here in this room, like practicing, right? Where I've had like an epiphany or something's just clicked or I figure something out. I mean, those are really the, the, the times uh, of the journey that are, that are really, you know, kind of integral um, <clears throat> to, the, to the arc of it. Um, the accolades, the touring, the people showing up. Yeah, incredible. And some of my, you know, I could, I could sit here and reel off 20 shows out of the, off the top of my head that are just when my life changed, right? Like Paradiso 93, right? Reading Festival 93, playing with Rollins. I mean, Pink Pop, right? Yeah, Pink Pop, right? <laughs> I see, I see those things on Instagram sometimes and, it, and I'm just like, wow, that's, that's, I, I'm so lucky to have experienced that stuff. But in the grand in the grand scheme of things, it's all really it's all rooted in self expression. It's all rooted in music for me. Um, one thing doesn't really trump another um, for me as an artist. Um, you know, the the most change happens when I'm really uh, focused uh, on pr- practicing or just you know emoting in real time. 
You know, everything you're talking about, does the word legacy ever cross your mind? Is that something that's important to you? No, it's not. I mean, it's not important to me. I don't take it lightly, but it's not important to me. It's not something I think about like, oh my God, I got to make 10 more records or I'm not going to have a legacy. I just, <laughs> I, I just, some, I mean, some people do think like that. Right. And they're like, you know, they're just trying to amass this great, you know, collection, but I'm not a hoarder. I'm not like that type of person. I, I'm not a sentimentalist. I'm not, uh, you know, old drum sets of mine that I've, I, you know, I've sold kits that I've used to play on melancholy or Siamese dream. It's like, I feel like those things should be out there being played. Um, I don't feel like they should be in a museum. I think they should be getting beer spilled on them and in some club and some guy should be rocking out on them. Right? Um, that's just, I mean, it's just the way I am. Um, but no, I'm not, I'm not a big legacy guy. Although I know, you know, I'm in danger of having one. You know, I, it's an interesting question that I like to ask because I haven't asked as many questions to many of my artists, but I'm going to ask you, there's this documentary I think it was last month, The Last Dance, where Michael Jordan, I don't know if you heard about that. It was on Netflix. And uh, my older brother and I, James, we talked about how Jordan, you know, Michael Jordan, for example, he didn't know at, uh, spoilers, if who, who hasn't seen it, but at the end of the documentary, they were telling him, hey, did you know that the Bulls were going to sign you again after the sixth championship? And right then he said, you know, he felt like it wasn't, complete you know i want to transition over to you what whenever you're done playing whenever that is maybe you're never done playing but what do you want people to remember about you the most when you hang it up if or lack of terms so to speak if you know what i'm talking about yeah i mean i just said i was you know a nice person i mean really that i was you know a compassionate individual that really you know I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a guy who like walks around with, with my Grammy award. I'm just like, I'm just like a regular dude, you know, I just, um, I just think all of those kind of, you know, Hollywood trappings are kind of silly and, and they don't really mean anything to me. So, uh, and I, you know, as far as when I'm going to retire, I'm, I don't plan on ever retiring. I mean, I used to, you know, retirement yeah. is for people that hate their jobs. I love my job, right. I don't ever plan on retiring from playing the drums. I mean, some of my heroes, well, all of my heroes are, all of my heroes that are alive are still playing. Um, uh, Roy Haynes is 95, 96, and, you know, he's played six nights a week, you know, pre-COVID, of course. But, I mean, I just, I just think that music is not, you know, it's not something you ever put a bow on and call it quits. I mean, some people do, and I, and I, and I understand that. I know Bill Bruford doesn't drum anymore, and I, I'm grateful for all of the stuff that Bill gave to me and I'm good with that if he doesn't do anything else. But for me, it's just such a part of my life. Um, it's really the longest relationship I've ever had, right? Besides my immediate family, but it, 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 it surpasses my marital family in length and any friendship or relationship I've ever had barring my brothers and sisters. Um, you know, and what, um, you know, what I attempted to get from the drum set and what I got, what I attempted to get from the drum set um, was freedom. And what I got was freedom and an incredible, um, incredible uh, and, and way more like rebirth, right? Like, like a whole like reawakening um, many, many times um, and, and still go through these kind of mini reawakenings um i feel like i'm having one right now talking to you but no uh, but 
just recently somebody's gonna get an awakening you're not talking about i mean recently i just feel like i've gotten to the point with with my playing where you know i'm really i'm really not caught up in um you know I'm, i'm just okay with whatever comes out and obviously in a responsible way but i feel like i'm really i'm really at peace with my playing I, I like it again. I like the way I play. And there's times when as an artist where you're thinking like you hear friends or contemporaries are doing cool shit. And I'm like, Oh, am I doing cool shit? I don't know. I don't not really digging what I'm doing right now. I mean, it kind of comes in waves. Right. But right now at this point in time, I feel like, you know, I've, 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 I've realized or re-realized that I've, I've got um, a lot of, a lot of personal value in this stuff. Speaking of cool shit, I know we talked about everything from top to bottom, but I promise we'll get to honor right now. You know, your the third album technically with Complex, is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So when did production start for you for Honor? You know, we see when I when I heard this album, I heard so I heard tenacious and captivating jazz. I don't know if you can put those words together, but that's what I heard. And it was just a sense of post-rock and an avant-garde. You know, how much did things change from when you first started composing on this album to where you ended up finishing it? Did a lot change in between? Did nothing change in between? Was there already a specific sound you knew you wanted with Honor? Uh, no, I don't think anything changed. I mean, the record was actually recorded about two years ago. So the main tracks, oh. uh, with, the, with, the exception of, with the exception of Commitment, the last song, um, the record was recorded, I, and I could be wrong, Moeller would know, he's probably got it on some calendar, but I'm pretty sure it was recorded when, um, when Billy Corgan and I were demoing the songs for shiny and oh, so bright at the village in LA, which would have been January of 2018. Yeah. Before the shiny and oh, so so bright tour. Right. Okay. So we were getting, we were getting ready to go record with Rick Rubin, um, out at Shangri-La. We were, we were demoing the songs, um, um, that would become the first shiny, you know, Bryce, oh, so bright volume one. We were demoing these at the village and I had some time off and I was, and it was just like Moeller and like, let's get together and play some music. Sean was in town. Um, <clears throat> so we literally just got together for an afternoon at his studio. I didn't even have a drum kit cause my drum kit was in transit. So I called my friend, Charlie Paxson and said, Hey, I want to do some playing with Moeller. Can I borrow your kit? And Charlie was like, I, I'm using my kit, but I know a guy who just bought a Sakai drum set and he loves your playing. You could give him a call and he might let you use it. Right. So I just, we called this guy out of the blue. He freaked out and brought the kit over. It was still in brand new boxes. He let us use it. And we played, we, you know, everybody kind of brought four or five ideas. The first four idea, the four ideas on the first four songs on the new complex record were the kind of the ideas that stuck we, we kind of work like this. Like some of you bring in a, a riff. That's cool. Let's play it. It's cool. Let's work on it. We'll write a B part. We'll write a C part. We'll jot down an arrangement and we'll just do a couple takes and then we'll just move on to another idea. And that's really how honor came about. Um, you know, with that, we always in the complex because we want to, we want other guys to participate. So we always leave some space, right? We generally play like as a rhythm section. So we'll play me, Sean and Billy as a rhythm section. And then any soloing will be added later. So Sean solo on commitment was added later. Ben Wendell, Shane Ensley, uh, Adam, Adam Benjamin. Benjamin. Yep. Yeah. Adam, 
um, Ben Jam- Ben Jammin, as we call him, um, Adam uh, Adam and uh, Randy Ingram. Uh, they were all added later. Frank Catalano. Um, so you know, we then we decide like, okay, what song are we going to send to who? And we we love you know Knee Body and those guys. Nate Wood is like a family member, so it's like it's it's cool. And Shane and I have gotten close over the years, so you know, to have those guys at your disposal, I mean, these guys are like, you know, I'm like, I'm like the punter in the band, right? It's my band, but I'm like the punter guy in the band. Like, I'm like, hey, will you guys let me play with you, right? <laughs> but uh, they were, they were nice enough to contribute and obviously made the record, uh, you know, were really, you know, uh, their, their con- contributions really made the record come alive. So, so then, you know, Moeller just this year he calls me up and he's like hey we got all this stuff in the can maybe we should release it and I had completely forgotten about it I mean I had like for me it was just years ago (laughs) and I play I played it for some friends and it was cool and and he said well you know we've got this stuff that we did you should listen to it again because I think it's really good and and I hadn't heard it since the pumpkins had you know that the the pumpkins rocket had taken off so I revisited it and I was like, wow, this sounds really good. This sounds way better than I thought. I remembered it. So then we got Ryan to mix it. And then, so we had the four songs and then Moeller who owns make records calls me up and he goes, Hey, do you have any jams laying around? Cause we need, if, if, if we don't have five songs on the record, we're not eligible for a Grammy. And I said, well, I got right. Which I'm like, I got this one jam. Um, that I had specifically written, wrote for a drum clinic. It was just a, just this kind of six, eight jam people that had gone to PASIC to see my master class and some other clinics had heard it a couple of times, but I had played everything on it. I played guitar, bass, uh, drums, and it was, it was, it was a burning track. Uh, and I played it for uh, Billy Corgan and, and he liked it too. And, but we didn't really have anything to do with it uh, or know where it, where it could live at the time. So I just put it to bed and then I remembered it. I sent and I, so I, I sent it to Moeller. I said, take the bass out, take the guitar out, the drum tracks decent and just re-record whatever you want. Right. Within, and just use my stuff as a guide. So then he's he bass down. He sent it to Sean. Sean played, you know, his complete alien guitar take on the, on the track. And that commitment, <laughs> the last song. Um, but really just happened, you know, over, over like a weekend. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's the cool thing about the complex. It's just really like a real time document of guys hanging, right? It's just like music used to be made. Like you show up at Rudy Van Gelder's house in the afternoon and you make like, you know, our jazz record. And at five o'clock when it's dinner time, you're done, right? And the only, the difference is that those guys were making like giant steps, right? <laughs> we're, yeah. And we're not, we're making just honor, which is, you know, it is which, what it which is. is. Which is a giant step. You said, I mean, you said it yourself. You said the titles are representative to me of what we engage when we try to live a higher ideal. Integrity, humility, service, and grace. Those, you, you said that, and those are part of the album. So I wanted to ask, you know, you can also tie this with your other acts as well. Or you can throw pumpkins in there. To what level do you, Jimmy, like to have a theme for your records? And how important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you guys write or sound? Or is that more for the audience? Because a lot, a lot of artists, they don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it, which is fine. But I feel like you had a specific path you wanted to achieve with that. You know, for, for this one, yeah. And, and certainly having a theme or some type of narrative 
uh, in mind when you're playing stuff really helps you to make the right choices. Right. Um, and I, and I, that's, you know, working with Billy Corgan. I mean, that's one of the things where the pumpkins, in my opinion, really can reign supreme, right? Cause the narratives are so strong and they're so strongly supported by the drums and everything else. It really adds a lot, um, you know, to have a destination like that to get to, because then your choices become a lot clearer for this stuff. It was really uh, a posthumous, uh, naming, um, in that I was thinking about, well, a lot of things like my relationship with those guys, my relationship with my instrument, my relationship with my family. I was looking at the world and trying to think of something that had some cultural currency um, that that was concurrent with today's uh, issues and, and congruent with at least what I what I was seeing uh, there there being a deficit of uh, in 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 you know at least at least in my purview. Um, so that's where that's where those those titles came from, um, but they're not far. They're not the, the the funny thing is even though they were posthumous titles, they're not far from at least the 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 reasons why we get together, uh, Moeller and Sean and I or Billy Corgan or anybody else. Right? There's a there's an accountability that we all carry with us um, to ourselves, to our fellow musicians, to our families. Um, that's evident in the way we play our instruments and the what and what we do with our time, right? Where any one of those guys is probably playing music today. I know Billy Corgan is working on writing writing today. Um, Moeller, I'm sure, is doing something. Sean, I've never seen him without a guitar in his hand, uh, even even to an annoying point of like being <laughs> like the the old first Complex tour. He was learning uh, giant steps on, on, a, on a guitar and he literally practiced giant steps for 30 days in the van while we, <laughs> while we rode around. I mean, I love John Coltrane, but for Christ's sakes, it was, it was a bit much. Um, but How, we're, we're talking like early 2000s, right? Because that's when Complex took off or something? Yeah, like 2004. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Sean is just, I mean, even when you're on the phone with him, you can he. You know he's not paying attention because he's just practicing something, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you know, the titles are are, <clears throat> you know, I'm really sometimes, sometimes you're like, is this too much or is this going to be, you know, is this, is this, are these the right names for these songs? And and now you know when I hear when I hear the stuff back now and I see the comments that people are making and I talk to you know, friends from all walks of life, everybody kind of gets it right. And everybody, everybody sees the connection and the tetherization between the music and, and the intent and the titles, um, which is, you know, is the most you can hope for. You know, we did talk about, I mean, I just named the bands that you were a part of. Would it seem like Complex would be tapping into a different part of Jimmy Chamberlain that you have not been able to achieve before? No, I don't think so. Um, I think, you know, I mean, I'm still, you know, a member of the Pumpkins, but I'm a huge fan of the Pumpkins too. And I'm, I'm really a fan of what, what the band stands for and what we've been able to do, um, you know, how we've been able to be creative, uh, even, you know, with self-imposed limitation. I mean, we, Billy and I, Billy Corgan and I were laughing the other day. We were like, we were, we were talking about Sierra, the new record. And I'm like, isn't it funny that we were, we made a, we made a, we made a record with no guitar solos and no drum fills. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, 
that's just the way it is. Like in the pumpkins, that's like, that just seems totally normal to us. Right. Because the idea yeah. of going back and making like some syncopated, you know, rock record with a bunch of riffs on it. We are like, we kind of did that already. I mean, I, I don't really see a, a ton of separation between the complex and, 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 and the pumpkins. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, doing, doing what I want to do and playing, you know, to the top of my ability, whether that's understated or overstated, um, you know, in application uh, or not, it's still, you know, I still approach both of them kind of the same way. Would you see honor as a snapshot of where you are at a certain time in your life, looking back? Uh, it's kind of tricky with that because, because now that I'm thinking about it, you did say you wrote this, what, two years ago, and now you released it. But going through the Jimmy Chamberlain mindset, like of the albums that you have released throughout your career, looking back at Honor, considering like everything that album stands for, I don't know, I, I, I feel like I'd be in very interesting perspective to look at it like when you're looking back yeah i think you know for me the arcs are so long um you know that i don't i don't feel like anything is really representative of enough of the whole to be to be kind of a uh a to be kind of like oh this is when it started raining or this is you know this is when the thunder hit or this, is, <laughs> this is the I pandemic mean, album like all yeah this, right you yeah, have to put that out I mean, there <laughs> there's stuff like that in my real life. <laughs> Certainly <laughs> yeah. I can look and say like, here's when the shit hit the fan or here's when it didn't um, in my personal choices, which have been, you know, you know, intelligent and dubious and, 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 but in the music, I mean, I feel like it's all, it's all pretty much, it's all other than the technical stuff where I can hear, you know, my ability changing emotionally. It's all very much, of a similar mindset. Um, you know, I think when you're painting in real time, I mean, obviously if you, if you listen to a conversation you had from 10 years ago and you hear yourself talking in what you thought was intelligent at that time, it's going to seem a little, you're going to feel, you're going to get that itchy sweater moment where you're like, I got to get out of this room. But you know, it's weird. I'm such a nostalgic person. Uh, you know, growing up with my brother, I, I used to have what's called, it's actually right there. I can't get it right now. It's a, it's a talk boy. Do you remember the Home Alone movies where the Kevin would have the, <laughs> so we would record everything we would have on the talk boy when it came out. You probably think, why does this guy still have this? That's how nostalgic I am. Now, yeah. if we would play that cassette back, I'm just thinking even 10 years ago. I mean, I, I, I wish I could go back just even six months ago and, and, uh, I, I, I'm a better person now than I was before. I'm always trying to become a better person each day. And, and I, obviously I, I can see that, that you are doing that too, like each day. And, and uh, it's, it's no, it's no coincidence that you're an influence on us, but as far, yeah, but I, I see what you're saying. Going back, listening to a conversation 10 years ago, you're just like, I don't know. I feel like I feel alienated. Like, wow, that's not even me. Like how in the world did that even come to like, I'm well, now I who I am, you know? Well, I think that's the good news, though. I mean, I think the good news is that we're evolving and, and we're not, we don't stay the same. And I think, you know, that's, that's the point of music and the personal journey is really to, you know, I once, I once heard that, you know, the smarter you are, the faster you can change your mind, right? So, you know, with that, this kind of evolutionary process that we go through as human beings, as sentient beings, as, as artists or, or, or you know, 
writers or whatever. I mean, the point is, the point is to evolve and, you know, to not agree with everything you said 10 years ago. Um, because if you did, that would just be indicative of stagnation, right? I mean, you, you want to be like, and I, well, I listen to some drumming that I've done, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And I'm like, that would never fly today, but I love really? that guy. Oh, yeah. Wow, interesting. I mean, I, I love that guy, and he, he's done me right, but I, that's not acceptable now. But, you know, back then, I was like, that's the best I could do. Um, so just knowing, you know, you were doing your best, but, you know, things change. Um, your lines change. You're like, okay, my line has moved up. It's evolved. My opinions have evolved. You know, the goal, I think, with me is just to be, you know, to make to have your choices just more rooted in compassion right and and not and not rooted into like for me i'm a big i'm a big um i'm not into like comparison right i i used to be when i was a young man and super competitive i was into comparison and that always leads into competition even with people who aren't in competition with you right as soon as you start to to live in comparison you put yourself in competition with folks that aren't necessarily in competition with you. So when those people have uh, something uh, happen to them, which is a net positive, it becomes a net negative for you, right? Whether you're, whether you, whether they're aware of it or not. And then that Hmm. competition, you know, leads to judgment, you know, which is always the hallmark of low self-worth, right? I mean, judgment is a, is a reflection of, you know, not feeling, not feeling worthy yourself. Otherwise you wouldn't have to judge somebody else. You wouldn't, you wouldn't feel the need to judge if you didn't feel less than yourself. So for me, that's kind of the, that's the yardstick um, that I can, I can use to kind of view where I am now, where I was then, where I was 20 years ago, where I was when I was in, you know, getting a ticket when I was 16 or 15 you know, lying to my parents when I was, I mean, you know, stuff that little boys do and stuff that little men do, you know, aren't too far apart. Um, So that's, that's kind of it for me. I just, for me, really the judgment is the, is the killer and, and not being okay with what's going on, including like the bad shit that's going on. When, when you, when you stop living in judgment, you start living in acceptance of that, like, look, nothing in nature really happens by accident, right? Nature's got it figured out. Even like, even if you get into like, you know, like this Greenpeace person told me like, hey, you want to donate some money? And I, I don't know why I didn't have any money on me or whatever. And they were like, well, you know, don't, aren't you worried about the earth? And I was like, dude, the earth ain't going anywhere. It's you that's leaving. <laughs> I'm not really worried yeah. about you with all res- due respect. Um, so I'm just going to carry on. Right. I mean, the earth was here for, I don't know how many millions of years before we got here and it wasn't even breathable atmosphere. I mean, you know, it's like, not that I'm condoning anything, but it's like in these long arcs, you know, people get, people get consumed with this self-importance where if you look at the universe and, and these long, long arcs of evolution, you can at least take, you can at least take some comfort in the fact that the universe seems to know what the hell it's doing. <laughs> right yeah especially you live in the forest where i live it's like you look around and you see nature you know like you said a bird falls out of the nest or whatever and 
you may think like, oh my God, this is the worst thing that happened. But if you're an owl sitting in the tree, it's like Christmas in July, right? I mean, oh, it's God. like, it's the best thing that's ever happened because this thing can feed its family now. And it's, so it's, you know, it's a little bit of perspective and a little bit of trust in the universe that it's, it's got a handle on, on things. And it may not, it may not seem it to us in our, in our self-importance and, and exceptionalism, but you know, that's, that's only looking at yourself and not looking at, at the things around us. So it would be safe to say you do see things differently now from when you first started playing in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> the obvious. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I don't get, I don't, I don't, I refuse to live in fear. Right. I just, fear has never gotten me anything but being more fearful. So I just, I'm just not, I can't, I can't plug into the panic channel. Uh, about it i've got to i've got to live with the belief that you know everything's going to be everything's going to happen everything that's supposed to happen is going to happen you know a weird just a weird things have been happening lately and I, I've, I've spoken to my brother about it is it was i don't know about you do you believe in coincidences oh yeah i mean i i think you know i may call them something other than that but yeah i believe in them it's it's so weird how things work out because it, in one way or another from my experiences, and I don't know if you feel the same way, it, things tend to, hey, you said to yourself, the universe knows what it's doing. You know, I, I feel like things have a way of working themselves out one way or the other. And I think it's a true test to the character that we have inside. Um, and I, I think patience really is a virtue, as cliche as that sounds. Um, I feel like it, I think that goes a long way. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's trees in my backyard that are over, that are hundreds of years old, right? And they've seen, you know, they've seen many things come by and, and, and walk through that forest. Some that are, they'd love to tell you and some probably not so much, right? Uh, um, yeah. But nevertheless, I mean, that's just, it's the state of affairs. I mean, all we can do as, you know, responsible adults is continue to learn and evolve the process and invest in that, you know, compassion and non-judgment. And I think those are the those are at least two pathways that get us to, you know, where we need to be as human beings, as far as our relationships with each other and, and strangers and, and, and people who are in situations that we may or may not understand. You know, we talked about you being a musician and how this, that has a, just the most biggest effect on you, you know, and being a father, uh, you know, being a family person is very important to you. If you weren't a musician, I, I was thinking, I don't know if this came up to you before, what would you be doing right now if you weren't a musician? Does that ever cross your mind? Man, I've never even thought about that. Um, I don't know. I can't even answer hey, that. Hey, that, that's okay because that's an answer. <laughs> you not answering is an answer because uh, a lot of – everyone I've asked, they're like – actually, most people I've asked, they said, oh, okay, I think I would still be doing something in music. I started off engineering, Jimmy, you know, and then now I'm here, you know, I, I stopped engineering. Then I decided, okay, I want to be in PR. I went to film school. I started my own publication and like all this is my undoing. And, and, you know, it took me, it took me a lot to figure out what I want to do with myself. So, and that's okay. I'm glad you weren't, you weren't anything else because if you weren't a musician, I probably wouldn't be who I am. You know, a lot of peers that I know probably wouldn't be who they are. And just the, just just the impact that you and Billy and the, and the rest of the pumpkins have, have made an impact in the industry as a whole. I think it's, uh, again, legacy is not important, but 
that's that's what it looks like you know from that perspective like you guys have built that legacy for pumpkins and for musicians and for younger musicians who want to get into the scene yeah i mean i think you know if you were you know at at 14 you know my my once I figured out I wasn't going to get drafted to the majors and be a baseball player, there was really just a musician was all I had left. And there was never really a plan B. So, I mean, I used to lie and say there was a plan B, but there was no plan B. So I just, that's just, if the music didn't work out, I, there wasn't even, I didn't even have like, I don't even have something that was a fake plan B that I could even tell you like, Oh, I was going to be a graphic artist. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, I was just going to be a homeless bum. I mean, I don't hey, know. Plan, plan A worked to perfection. Uh, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't big on self authorship back then. You know, I wasn't like putting out my SWAT, my own personal SWAT analysis and trying to figure out like what I was good at. I, I met some lady who read my palm on a Japanese uh, on a on the bullet train one night, and um, she had read everybody in the band's palm. And I was like, "All right, read my palm." And she goes, she looked at me and she goes, "You know, you're not, you weren't supposed to be a musician." She said, you're, "She said it's not, it's." She said, "It's not what you're the best at." at. <laughs> and I was like, "What?" How long, ago, how long ago how long ago i was like this? i was like 27 you know it's the pumpkins were probably our first time in japan and i never forgot that i was like and i always thought like god is there something that i'm better at that i just completely screwed this up i mean am i gonna figure this out like later that i'm i don't know man i should have been something else like <laughs> listen to what you just listen, you know listen to what you're just telling me just just that topic by itself coincidence I, I don't know maybe the universe knows what it's doing maybe you were supposed to tell me this story who knows based yeah. on the question i asked but um <laughs> man uh jimmy we covered everything from top to bottom just before we finish things off here do you have any like shout outs any plugs is anything you want to mention you're doing with complex or the special project you have with billy i don't know how much you can unfold about that before we finish things off here I don't. It is what it is. I mean, I'm, you know, my, my shit's out there the day it comes out. So it's like, I, there's no like, you know, secrets with me. It's like, just keep your eye on Instagram. I guess that's where I get my information these days. I, if I need to know like what the pumpkins are doing, I just open up my IG, man. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and every everyone who's listening this is jimmy chamberlain from jimmy chamberlain Com jimmy jimmy chamberlain complex and smashing pumpkins and zwan i'm gonna say star children sky saw uh, i mean i'm gonna keep saying that because i think that's that's a great that's a great part to your biography as well you know honor september 25th came out this past friday on make records uh, you know please buy this album support these bands they need your help now more than ever and you can listen to this podcast on itunes Spotify, all major podcast streams. Jimmy Chamberlain, thank you from the bottom of my heart. You have made someone's millennium, and we will see you <laughs> next time, obviously. Thank you.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.